Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of Jewel. Hi, Emma. So I know we're coming to you guys on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. We do this charity event every year and this year was on a Monday. So that's where we were yesterday. And we kind of figured, you know, there's not much going on anyway. This will be better. Hopefully more news will break that we can talk about on Tuesday. And as of last night, that really wasn't the case. And then this morning it came out and I guess this has been circulating for like two weeks now. We saw it from Not Skinny But Not Fat's Instagram. And then we started to kind of look from there. But apparently Chelsea Handler is dating Joe Coy, which... I know shouldn't feel like the biggest deal in the world, but I was shook by this. Yeah, I was surprised too. I mean, they're another case of has been friends for a very, very long time. They've been friends forever. And when I looked it up, it said back since 2005. But even, you know, think about Chelsea lately. He was a f- constant on there. Yeah, he was always a panelist. It was, they've had a very, very long friendship. So even when I was stalking his Instagram back, trying to figure out when they started dating because he posts her frequently. I really couldn't tell what was being posted as like a platonic friendship and what was being posted as a dating thing. Right. And think about how many times when a couple comes out that they're dating and they say, you know, we've been friends forever, but we never really saw that friendship. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think like as a fan, it's so much more fun to know that there are so many documented times of them just genuinely hanging out. So you can look back on that now. Yeah, absolutely. So she posted yesterday a photo of herself and the caption was, just sitting here in Mallorca thinking about how grateful I am to have so many people that I love in my life, to live the life I do, and to be going on tour doing what I love. And that I'm finally in love with the best kind of guy there is. There's hope for everyone. That kind of stuff. So this was her first kind of declaration of being in love. And when we looked into it, I guess all of the rumors really started to intensify after September 1st, because that was when they went to this Dodgers game. He was throwing out the first pitch. And there were like some Dumas spottings of them being kind of coupley together. So this has been a thing now for a few weeks. And like I said, I don't know why it feels like a big deal. I guess 
in my mind, I just feel like so much of Chelsea's identity has been about being single and so much of her comedy. Not that we haven't seen her in relationships before. She was obviously notoriously with 50 Cent, but I don't know. I'm just so happy for her. Yeah, I'm really happy. Something I also think is really nice is when a celebrity announces or, you know, posts about being in a relationship, even if it's kind of like an inconspicuous post where it's not like they're posting like a major debut. They just like write a caption similarly to how Chelsea just did about like being in a relationship and finally being happy. And you can always tell when it's really sincere based on the reactions in the comment section by their friends. And this was flooded with people being like, it's so nice to see you getting it right. Like, it's so nice to see this working out for you, which is such a beautiful thing to see, but also such a reassuring thing. Oh, totally. I think also she, I mean, I don't know her personally, for everything she's kind of said, like she was down to have a lot of casual sex. She has been, she's super sex positive and was open about that, but she never seemed like the type that wanted to get into a relationship just for the sake of being in a relationship. I think she kind of thrived being on her own in a way. And so I think her friends or those closest to her have the understanding of like, if she's doing it, it's because she feels like it's genuinely worth it to split her time with somebody she enjoys. Because when you are living alone and when you get into that routine, it can almost become an inconvenience to be with someone else. Like you can become really happy just being on your own. And so I think to allow someone into your life in that way, they have to be a certain level of special. Totally, yes. Like I could not relate or understand that more. It's kind of in a way, I, I don't know this because this sounds bad. I don't mean it to sound bad, but it's like the opposite of Paris Hilton in a way where something I think we compliment her on a lot is the fact that she gets into relationships relatively often and every time she's so in love, which is great because most people would be jaded and like not have that same expression. And with Chelsea, it's almost the opposite where she's never like that. So I guess when she does, it feels more powerful. Yeah, exactly. Like you, I, I really think with Chelsea, she's pretty easy to read, like, especially when something deviates from her norm. And this seems to be something that is definitely deviating from her norm. So for her to be open about it, I think is as telling as you can get with her. Yeah. And on September 10th, he was asked by TMZ if they were dating and they kind of commented on the Dodger game because there was that photo of them. And he responds, and I quote, how beautiful did she look that day? Me and Chelsea, she's amazing. I've known Chelsea for a long, long time. I mean, a long time, like years ago. And we've always been great friends. We, uh, I don't know how to answer. I also have to say her being with another comedian makes me so happy because I just can think about how much they're laughing when they're together. And that is exactly what she needs. Right. I mean, other than 50 Cent, the other two that we really know about was in 2007, Ted Harbord, who was the former chairman of NBC Broadcasting. And then after that, on and off 2011 to 2013, was Andre Bloss, who's the ex-owner of the Standard Hotel. So I obviously don't know either of those men personally, but I can imagine it's not nearly the type of humor that Joe Coy has, who I think he's a great comedian. I've always liked him. Yeah, totally. So it's nothing crazy to report, but I just think it's always fun when a celebrity who's been single for a long time and also who doesn't necessarily profess their love in this way, seems so happy. So I guess it's kind of breaking since she just posted it 13 hours ago. Yeah, it'll be so interesting to see how this all plays out. I'm really happy for it. Like, I think it's great. I am too. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then 
I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So as you guys know, Little Nas X released Montero on Friday, and we don't normally talk about albums. And this isn't even really so much about the music. We kind of just wanted to take this opportunity to talk about him as a figure. And I feel like this is a good moment to look back on his trajectory just in general, Julie and I both have a lot of admiration for him, not only as an artist, but also as a person and what he's putting out into the world. And I wanted to start with a quote that he gave Pride Month 2019. He had first you know, came out to his sister and his father, and he said to the media, the honest truth is I plan to die with the secret, but that changed when I became Little Nas X. And just to go from that quote two years later to where he's at now, and the form of self-expression and just the pride. It's really, I think, very special to have been able to witness. Oh, I mean, it's honestly, and you said this as well to me when the album dropped, like it's historic to witness. We just wanted to read this one paragraph from an LA Times article by Michael Wood titled, An Impassioned Little Nas X Triumphs Over Haters and Homophobes on Debut Album. And it reads, As fully immersed in digital culture as any act in pop music, Little Nas X probably could have gamed his way to another hit or two after Old Town Road. But beyond his strategic smarts, he also understands, also believes in, the value of sincerity in an era defined by disinformation, and that's the thing that's endeared him, and not just his song, to the millions with whom he communicates on social media. He's framed the steps in his unlikely journey, as a black kid trying to break into country music, as a gay man making hip-hop, in richly emotional terms which means his audience shares in his triumphs while his detractors come off like scolds. And scolds he's definitely got, making himself a queer black sex object with a radical act, particularly in light of his down-the-middle ambitions, and the fact that among his earliest fans were the countless children whose enthusiasm he since had to remind people hardly makes them his responsibility. Yet the joy Little Nas X takes in his desires, the cleansing optimism of his vision of lust calls to mind Little Richard, as does the glee with which he toys with bigots. It's just so true. Every single thing, I mean, this was a much longer article, but we felt like those two paragraphs really highlighted it and kind of talked about and we can go through it all. But as a side conversation to what we were talking about earlier, really is the social media presence thing. And I know we sometimes have the conversation of like celebrities that use social media really well. And there are different ways to do it and kind of different meanings of that. But I think you and I would unequivocally agree that he is top of the top across the board. Like not just in terms of the way that he promotes the music, not just in terms of the connection with the fans, but also in the way that he responds to hate. And I think what I really liked about what this article says is that 
you feel like you are a part of his journey. So even when he's doing something that is inherently promotional, it still feels intimate. The part of the journey is such a key thing there because you're 100% right. He uses social media in a way that I don't think anybody else does. Any other artist, any other celebrity, Lil Nas X just gets it. And that's the only way to describe it across all platforms, across Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. He just gets it and he gets the nuances and the specifics of each of those and how to use each of those well. And the reason that that plays so much into feeling like you're a part of his journey is because you've watched him grow on social and you've watched him gain this sense of confidence through social media and through connecting with fans and through the understanding that he is doing something that nobody else is doing. And you've watched him channel that into his music and into his performances and into his album. And when you say something like doing something that no one else is doing, it's literally the way he is when he's a performer and who he is on social media. And so to watch both of those things exist at once, it's like, yeah, I'm front row for this journey. And going from this kid who released a song on TikTok to this confident performer who is making history with everything he does, it's really insane to be able to witness. No, it really is. And I think sometimes you don't recognize like the magnitude of someone's trajectory until a little bit down the line and you look back and you're like, wow, that was wild. But it's similar, very different, obviously, but it's similar to Olivia Rodrigo in the sense of people recognized at the time how big she was becoming, how quickly. And you know, the other thing with him, it's like not to take away from his music because I happen to really like his music, but realistically, like after Old Town Road, he could have plateaued. It was very possible that he could have plateaued. And even if his music was as good as it is, it's possible that he wouldn't have had that same following. It all factors into it, you know, like just the way that he's doing it. There was a tweet a few days ago that Isabel sent to us. It was like, wow, Little Nas X is just like really good at being a celebrity. And it was such a simple statement, but we all sent it to each other and we're like, you know what? That's so true. And I just think that that's the best way to put it in the simplest terms. He is so goddamn good at being a celebrity. And you're so right. After Old Town Road, it really could have gone one or two ways where it's like this big hit, this momentous splash into stardom. And then that was it. He had a big song and it could have just ended there. And because he has this profound ability to connect with people and connect with fans and make you sit there and just most of us sit there and root for his success you stuck with him for this journey. And then it wasn't just a journey anymore. It was like, wow, this guy is a talented performer. To watch him do his thing is amazing. And it's a gift. And if you take even everything else out of the equation of what he does, that's so special. You're just watching somebody who's genuinely good at what they do. And I think that's always rewarding. And then you add the other stuff back into the equation. And it's, it's another level of of observing a star that I really don't know how much we can equate to other people. It's it's special in its own right. Well, it's hard to equate it to because I think the other thing is like, as much as there's so much momentum and so much power behind him and so many people that are very much in support of him, like you and I are, there's also equal parts hate. And those people scream potentially louder, you know? And I think what's also unique about him is the way that he chooses to respond to it. He turns them obviously unintentionally to them, into fans, right? Like he uses them as material and not everybody has the ability to do so. And by the way, like not for nothing, 
it's not always the easiest thing to do because sometimes even just dealing with it and entertaining it can be really hard. Even if you want to laugh it off and you want to turn it into power and you want to turn it into this like comedic thing, it can't be easy to go through that and to read all of that. And in order to respond in the way that he does, he has to be equally tuned into the hate. You know, you're so right in the sense of like, I think sometimes we don't take the hate he gets as seriously because he's so good at responding in a way that makes us laugh and makes us root for him. But you're right, that level of hate that he gets and the comments that are being directed towards him. And on top of that, the comments directed towards him that other people then have to read because of the way he responds, it can't be ignored and it can't be easy. Right. Well, it's not like somebody just hating on you know a person because they don't feel that they're talented. It's also in mixed in with that hate. It's nothing about his talent. Most of the time, it's really about the way that he chooses to live his life and his sexuality and you know everything about him that is just inherently him. And so it's not like you know you can these. I would say his most vocal haters don't separate the art from the artist, right? Which is kind of, I would say, a, a more painful type of hatred because it's a hatred for everything that he is as a human being, which obviously you and I can sit here and say how flawed that thinking is and how hateful it is and we can go on and on, but he's the one receiving it. And so, yeah, there's just, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for him and I feel really excited to to be able to experience it. And I think a lot of people can echo that same sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I will say just based off what you said is I always find it so interesting when he responds to certain quote criticisms that he gets and makes the point of like, it's not my job to raise your children, like raise your own children. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I agree with that sentiment a hundred percent. The fact of the matter is that on top of that though, what he must be doing for kids especially kids who are struggling with their sexuality or struggling with being accepted and being themselves is astronomical. So in a way, if you are one of those people who are like, what do I tell my kids? There is a sense that Lil Nas is doing a better job of explaining things to your kids than you are, which is, I think, an unbelievably profound thing to think about. You're so right. Like it's the irony of it all can't really be ignored because in the criticism of exactly what you said of like, how am I going to explain this to my children? Look at, look at what you're doing. Do you realize the amount of power that you're giving to him? <laughs> like the irony of that, and obviously these people aren't looking at it in that way, but you're right on the flip side, that power is real. Right. We talk about this a lot, you guys. This is a conversation we have a lot off podcast. I feel extremely strongly about it. Extremely, extremely, extremely. And I feel that Anytime you have a celebrity where you're watching them and you see history unfold before your eyes and you can view celebrity culture as just a piece of overall pop culture and what you'll tell your kids about and what they'll ask you about and how you'll explain what this era was like, when you see a celebrity or an artist become a vital part of that, to do anything other than enjoy that and understand it for what it is, is a travesty. And that's what you're seeing with Lil Nas X and like, genuinely, that is how I continue to feel with everything he puts out. Yeah. You know, I'm on your page. I'm riding this one out till the end. I'm so glad. <laughs> Wait, also, this is not on the outline. I just wanted to tell it to you. I was listening to, I guess, Ryan Seacrest on the radio a few days ago, and he had Elton John on, because obviously Elton John's album comes out, I think, at the end of October. And he was talking about collaborating with all these different people, you know, Lil Nas X and Charlie Puth. And when he was explaining the collaboration with Charlie Puth, he's like, you know, he lives four houses down from me. 
walked over to his house, got into the studio, we did some things. And then I think he was saying the producer, whoever the person is, lives three houses down. And when he was describing this process, it was just so like funny to me to think about like Elton John just walking down to Charlie Puth's house. They go in the recording studio. He literally goes to the house next door. And like, that's how so many of these hits are made. So crazy to think about the way right? that the way that LA works in that way. I mean, I always think about that specifically with Calabasas because it's the Kardashians all in one community. And then you have Travis Barker there and a couple of others. And it's a very tiny, small, close knit community. It's fascinating, especially when you have, you know, Elton John who's been at this forever. Right. And now like here he is with, I would say the voices of, of our generation and just talking about that collaboration. It was a really good interview. Actually. I don't normally listen to talk radio, but it was, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. This isn't necessarily news because I don't know how much we can really say on it, but I'm sure you guys saw how last week Brittany deactivated her Instagram and she wrote on Twitter, don't worry folks, just taking a little break from social media to celebrate my engagement. I'll be back soon. Which she did. She came back a few days later, but that was kind of bizarre. No, like I know we don't typically like to look too much into those types of breaks, but I don't know. There was something about it that felt a little bit eerie. Yeah, it was weird, but I don't know why. It was one of those things where a lot of people who really look very closely at Britney's Instagram have done amazing work in terms of understanding her, trying to get inside her mind and understand what's different about the way she posts versus if somebody else was posting for her. Like people are really detectives when it comes to that kind of stuff. So when she deactivated her Instagram and she tweeted, all of these accounts and Twitter accounts were saying, like, Britney doesn't tweet. Why would she delete her account? And I'm watching people come up with these thoughts that they have about why. And I'm like, but what's the purpose? Like no one has explained in this process of her deleting this Instagram account for six days, what the purpose or what they thought the purpose of her doing that was. It was just odd behavior. It's so true. It's like, what was the end goal there, which was never, and maybe somebody could explain it. Well, I, I haven't seen an explanation. It was more just like a lot of confusion. I don't know. You know, also <laughs> the thing with uh, Sam and Octavia Spencer, when she commented saying like, get a prenup and then I didn't realize that she was getting a lot of hate for that or, you know, even because even diehard Britney fans, you would think would actually be in support of that because 
that would just be a method of her protecting herself. Even if you think that she's madly in love with this guy, you think he's a great guy, it still makes sense for her to get a prenup. Obviously, the entire thing we're fighting for in the you know, getting rid of the conservatorship is for her to have ownership over her own finances. So you would never want that to then go to somebody that she divorced, right? So like, it would all make sense. Octavia then had to clarify. And then Sam's comment on that, basically being like, no, don't worry. It's all jokes. You know, obviously she's going to sign the prenup or whatever it was. That was also kind of a weird thing that happened. Don't you think? It's all strange. I mean, I guess the thought process, if you're a fan, is that for people to keep bringing up the prenup instead of congratulating them or bringing up the prenup whenever they get congratulated would then in your mind mean that people aren't taking the relationship seriously or they don't believe that Brittany has the correct quote unquote judgment to be able to make the decision about who she's marrying. And therefore the prenup would be, would need to be in place. And we're saying you must have a prenup because we don't trust Brittany to make that decision. I don't think that's the case at all. I think everyone is just so hyper aware of, protecting Brittany at this point in her life that calling out that prenup was just a no-brainer. Right. That's that, that's how I felt. I I can understand what you're saying though in terms of like that the very act of it would be questioning. But that's what we always talk about. Like you have to separate the like quote business of it from the relationship. It's not just with Brittany. This goes with anybody that is successful with money of their own, you know? The act of a prenup is by no means undermining the like seriousness of the love. Right. Totally. Right? It's just wild. I don't know. So she's back now. Who knows what that was for? Also, we'll see, I think, in the next coming weeks if there's another update from her lawyer about what's going on with the conservatorship. So we will see. But that was just kind of a strange thing that happened that we wanted to quickly discuss. Right. In terms of the Emmys, we're not really going to get too much into it content-wise. However, on a more superficial level, just fashion-wise, I feel like the overwhelming sentiment from people was the fashion here exceeded that of the Met Gala. Yeah, for some people, I felt like, I mean, I know there was a lot of criticism to the amount of people that were wearing just black dresses that they felt was a little boring. But overall, I did see that response. My tops was Carrie Washington in that silver corset dress and probably Kelly Cuoco in that Vera Wang. Yeah, I thought that, I thought Sarah Paulson looked amazing. Obviously, Jennifer Coolidge is just the star of my life right now. So everything she does, I'm just like Jennifer Coolidge, Jennifer Coolidge, Jennifer Coolidge. And I thought she looked fabulous last night. Yeah. But also like, okay. Yes. Obviously everybody, I feel like as a society is in a Jennifer Coolidge phase right now, not that they're ever really out of it, but obviously because of white Lotus, it's, it's magnified. However, it wasn't like she looked terrible and everybody was just going to celebrate her regardless. It happened to be a really flattering Christian Siriano dress that looked excellent on her, which is 10 times more fun. Because realistically, nobody was going to talk shit about whatever she wore. She could have shown up in a trash bag and people were going to say she looked great. But how fun is it that the dress that she chose actually was also like a phenomenal choice aside from who she is? Oh, absolutely. I really, I thought she looked beautiful. And again, you're hundred percent right in the sense of like, no matter what she wore, I probably would have been sitting here complimenting her. But on top of that, I genuinely saw her and was like, goddamn Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. Issa Rae also in that metallic dress and Anya Taylor-Joy, I loved in that backless like golden jewel number. She always looks like royalty when she walks into an award show or on a red carpet. Yeah. It's kind of like she was born for it. You know, there's some people that just have that presence even from their first red carpet and she had it. Yeah. She really, really has it. You look at her and you're like, and even her past Met Gala looks that I've looked back on when I wasn't as aware of her because obviously she has done so much but 
you really, she really entered your orbit after Queen's Gambit and you paid so much more attention to her, especially because on top of her own fashion, the fashion in the show was so incredible. So now she's so top of mind. And I was looking back on her past Met Gala looks and I was like, God damn, she's had it the whole time. I also want to talk about Jason Sudeikis for a second. Obviously, he won Best Actor in a Comedy Series for Ted Lasso. And he was in that blue Tom Ford suit, which a lot of people drew similarities between the Ferragamo suit that Chris Evans wore to the 2019 Oscars. But I got to tell you, what a night for Jason Sudeikis. Like Ted Lasso wins aside, at the Golden Globes this year when he was in that sweatshirt, the narratives after that were just so sad, whether justified or not. Like, I just feel like people were really sad about his overall kind of demeanor. And he just came out here swinging and nobody walked away from this night having any sort of a sadness for him. It was like, yes, this guy is exactly where he needs to be. Yeah, the the, the love affair we're all having with Jason Sudeikis right now makes me incredibly, incredibly happy. Me too, but here's the thing. I would say that in general, it wasn't that people were ever not having a love affair. He's always been an actor that was very well received, but it was almost like, a surplus of sympathy, like to the point where he's like, oh my God, why is everyone feeling so bad for me? Like, do I really look that bad? That kind of thing. Whereas now everybody has that same level of love affair, but it's just not channeled with like sympathy. It's like pride. Yeah. The sweatshirt thing elicited sympathy, but then almost immediately after that, every time you saw him, it wasn't that, I don't know. It's this very interesting thing where people will talk about him and Olivia Wilde and even though the person that Olivia Wilde is dating is Harry Styles, who is objectively one of the most attractive men in Hollywood, who everybody, for the most part, talks about as being like the ultimate. Even with that, people are like, I don't really get how Olivia Wilde left Jason Sudeikis. And it's like, it's insane to me that you can compare that to somebody like Harry Styles, who everybody is kind of collectively in agreement on and still have that kind of a lack of an understanding. And even further than that, I kind of understand what they're saying, which is so funny to me. And when Jason Sudeikis walked out and everyone was talking about him in the same suit as Chris Evans, I was like, is Jason Sudeikis just fucking with us to remind us how hot he is by comparing himself to people who are objectively hot and then us choosing Jason Sudeikis anyway? Wait, that's hilarious. Imagine that was like part of his game plan, like a full-blown strategy. He, he specifically pulled up that suit based on like a vision board that he had of Chris Evans. Right. And it's like, typically it's like, oh, couldn't wear the same thing as Chris Evans as Captain America. But then it's like, you see Jason Sudeikis and it's like, okay, three some, but the jacket stay on. <laughs> by the way, like, yeah, <laughs> like, right? uh, yeah. I mean, you know how I feel about Chris Evans, obviously. And it wasn't like I saw those two side by side and my eyes overwhelmingly went to him. Like realistically push comes to shove. I'm choosing Chris every time, but that's besides the point. It wasn't some, you know, overwhelming win. It was like, Hey, you are very much on par. Right. Isabel was really in a Jason Sudeikis phase this week. Isabel was straight up horny from that red carpet. I understand it. Yeah, no, I, I do understand it. You're right. It's funny about the Harry Styles thing. I don't know. I'm just overall happy for him. Glad to see that, you know, he's doing well. And also, I know this doesn't really matter again. Like, we really try to not qualify people's happiness with who they're dating, da da da, that whole thing. It's real. That being said, I want to see who he dates next. So badly. So, so badly. badly. Wait, you know what I was thinking about? Like, Remember when we were joking about Pete Davidson with Kelly Cuoco and then she like randomly got divorced the next week and everybody was like, holy shit. Yeah. I was thinking, could you see Kelly Cuoco and Jason Sudeikis? 
Yes, kind of. I kind of could too. Yeah, I I think I could see that for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they both looked so good at the Emmys or I don't know what it is. Maybe just because we know that, <laughs> I don't know, because we're always just, every time somebody announces their divorce, that's our first thought. But uh, I don't know. Watch this space. Who knows? Saying things like this and then when they haven't is just funny to me. Like, I don't think this will ever happen, but I do think that what will happen in my mind is that Jason Sudeikis and Kaylee Cuoco will be at the same event and then rumors will start to like spiral a little bit and our inbox will be filled with people and like, how did you call that? And it's like, we didn't call anything. We just like somehow said something and something similarly to that happened. (laughs) I know. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like Generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. There are three things I want to talk about from Kim on Ellen. The first, which is one of the funnier Kim moments, is when Ellen puts up that photo of Sam wearing the chain and she's explaining to the audience, you know, he's this little kid and he wears this big fake chain. And Kim stops her mid-sentence dead serious and he's like, did you say fake? And has to explain to Ellen how that chain is obviously not fake, it's completely real, but the, the demeanor shift of Kim when, God forbid, somebody even put the thought into the universe that her child, her like two-year-old child, was wearing a fake chain was, I'm sorry, hilarious. So funny. She stopped her dead in her fucking tracks. And also, Ellen, you know this family very well. In what world was any of them, two-year-old aside, wearing something fake? Also, like, it's so funny because this video of Kim getting Steph Chef, this Kelly bag is going viral, which obviously it's so sweet. But like, Ellen, Stormy had a Kelly before Steph ever did. Like, where are you getting this thought process from? It was her backpack for school that was at the house. Like, (laughs) what? No, that is fucking funny. Stormy had a Kelly backpack for being homeschooled for preschool. Like, and Ellen has the nerve to think that Sam West's chain is fake? Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Also, like, not that any of their kids would, you know, because all of the extravagance is so high, but like, okay, maybe Kendall's kid, maybe even Courtney's kid, because they would just think that it's ridiculous. Kim or Kylie, there is no world. Yeah, no world. No world. Also on Ellen, she spoke about Travis and Courtney, because I think, you know, Ellen kind of made a comment like, those two, they're always on top of each other, kind of about their PDA. And it was one of the first times that I feel like we've really seen Kim talk about it. And you can tell she also feels the same way I think that so many of us do, which is like, they've been friends for so long. And 
I just feel like what she was communicating was like, Courtney is so happy. Yeah. Kim was not letting Ellen get away. And not that Ellen was trying to be shady about it. I really don't think so. Like I know Ellen was like, it's a lot. And it is a lot. But I think Kim is just so happy for Courtney and is so happy with who Courtney is right now in the sense that like for a very long time, there were a lot of issues that arose between Kim and Courtney and Chloe. And I think that with how happy Courtney is, a lot of those issues have probably diminished a very significant amount. And I think Kim is sitting here like, I am so happy for my sister. I am so happy she's happy. More than that, I am so happy that she is reflecting that happiness for my own sake. And I'm not going to let you take away from that, Ellen. And that's how I felt too. Like, honestly, I really do believe that Kim's happiness for Courtney is separate and aside from anything else. Like, of course, she wants her sister to be in love. However, there is absolutely like a self-motivated thing there of like, God, she's a breath of fresh air. I haven't seen this side of her in years. Like, definitely, we're not going to fuck this one up. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's so true. It was fun though. I mean, you know, yeah, actually, I'm going to say it. This is true. If Scott wasn't at the Kardashian reunion, there potentially would have been more questions to the rest of the family about how they feel about her relationship with Travis or not even how they feel, but like celebrating it. I think it would have been honestly too hard for Scott to witness them all like singing their praises for Travis in front of him. So what I'm looking forward to in my mind is a time when we do get that, when they're all sitting around talking, potentially on this new Hulu show, which I know we want to talk about in a second of like, they can all have just an open conversation about how blown away they are at what Courtney's experiencing. Well, the Hulu show specifically in terms of that conversation about Scott, Travis, and Courtney will be so interesting to watch because they haven't started filming yet, but they said that they will start in fall and they're also expecting it to come out and be released in fall. So you won't get that behind the scenes of the Eunice DM, but you may still get the aftermath of them trying to deal with things and fix the relationship and figure out how to coexist as parents and co-parent with Courtney in this relationship that Scott is clearly having a lot of feelings about. And so we know Scott is meant to be in the show because as soon as Keeping Up With The Kardashians ended and everyone was kind of feeling that sympathy for Scott as he was explaining that he was really nervous about the show ending and nervous about not being able to spend time with the family. Kim had tweeted saying, Scott's not going anywhere specifically because he's on the Hulu show. So we already have that knowledge of Scott's involvement unless something happened, he pulled out, but I would be shocked beyond shocked if that's the case. And you'll presumably have Courtney and Travis in it as well. So you're really, for the first time, going to be able to see those dynamics play out because Keeping Up With The Kardashians ended before you ever even had the chance to. Right, exactly, exactly. And so listen, we're also kind of like talking to the wind here because we don't actually know exactly what the format of this will be. Like I think we're hoping, and from what Kim has kind of alluded to, it will be similar. But yeah, I mean, that's my hope. And also- it can't be ignored exactly what you said about the timeline. Like that's unheard of for Kardashians. If this is going to be a show that's at all similar to the type of content they filmed on Kardashians, which is like their daily life mixed in with other plot lines, it's going to be in more real time than we've ever had before, ever. And I wonder if that was a huge motivating factor for them doing it. Like I wonder if Hulu in their deal to them was like, listen, we can have as quick of a turnaround time as you've ever experienced on this show. And therefore, the things that are coming out will come out almost in real time or as close as we can get it, which is something you've never had before. And maybe that was a really motivating factor for them to be like, okay, 
Let's do this show because when we do these major things that happen in our lives, we don't have to relive them six months later and go through it all over again. We can do it and have this crazy turnaround time, if that's what they're actually describing, have it out and be able to move past it. And therefore, we still get to control our own narratives. We still get to put that information out, but there's not a six-month lull until we get the chance to do that. Right. And honestly, I think the biggest reason for that is because of not wanting to have to relive it. Like for some of the stuff, it doesn't matter, but so many of the things they're so excited when that like rumor has kind of been squashed or it's kind of come to an end. And then it's like, I don't want to use the word traumatic lightly because I think there's only a few times that I would classify as traumatic having to relive it, AKA like the Jordan Tristan stuff or some stuff with Scott. But yeah, in general, they don't want to have to, they're on to the next big thing. And in a way, I think it can almost be like a disadvantage to them to have to then go back to that same thing they were just so excited to get past. So I I have to imagine that that was incredibly appealing in terms of their decision to do the streaming. Right. It'll be so interesting to see what actually happens in terms of what the structure of the show is and what the timeline of it is. Yeah. God, I'm so interested. Also, we got, we got a DM from somebody being like, Hey guys, I never send messages to big accounts, but can you please address all the weird ads that Chloe's been endorsing on her grid lately? Candy Crush, Shein, Zenwater, Migraine Medicine. The math isn't math. <laughs> I thought was so funny. I mean, listen, I, I you know, I understand making a quick buck. I'm sure just between these, it was at least a million dollars, if not more. So I get it. It is always surprising to me when you know all of a sudden they're doing something for like. I'm going to say she and out of all of them, because I feel like Kim in the past, not them directly, I think it's more so with Fashion Nova or other companies, but has like called them out for copying the Kardashians aside. Like let's take away from the environmental impact of fast fashion. Like I'm not even talking about any of that. Not even talking anything like holier than thou. Literally just specifically with Kim coming for brands like that. It is always surprising to me, but you know what? I guess these are just the type of circumstances that are just so financially motivated, similar to Kylie posting like the Louis Vuitton giveaways. Yeah, it's so true. And that was a really good point about Kim's call out of fast fashion in the past. And, you know, Chloe then also doing fast fashion deals. It is it's fascinating. I guess at the end of the day, though, Chloe has that understanding of the deals that Kendall and Kim and Kylie get aren't being given to her. And she wants to be able to make her own money in that same way and be able to match up with what her family is doing, even if it's not on the same level. So I think that doing these ads and really putting herself out there like that is extremely advantageous for her in terms of what her own goals are. Yeah, no, I think so too. I mean, I, you know, in terms of like how I feel about it, I never really have an issue with whatever they choose to do as long as it's not like the fit tee shit. That's the only thing that they've do that rubs me the wrong way. Like, yeah. Do I think it's a little bit lowbrow that Chloe's doing shit for Candy Crush? Yeah. But also, hey, if somebody offered me a quarter of a million dollars to do it, maybe I would too. You know, it's like, that's not hurting anyone. The shit that's hurting anyone is when you're going to tell me that your stomach looks like that from your diet tea. They've strayed away from that. So that's good. But if anything, it's just interesting to note. And I mean, to be honest with you though, like, I think we're also sometimes confused when we see Kylie and Kim doing boxy charm stuff. You know, I don't know. There's no way to like actually quantify it. It's not like you have a list of brands and there's a hard line in the middle. And if it's above a certain line, it's kosher. And if it's below, everybody has this like collective confusion. So it really is subjective. But I would imagine that if you put up all of the ads that they do in a week 
and there was an account that strictly posted them with polls to the public of like, how do you feel about that? I would absolutely argue that the majority of people would be on the exact same page about what people think is like fine and then what people think is a little bit weird. And I can't even give you an exact reason as to why. It's just like we all have the same general feeling where we're on the same page about it. Yeah, you're right. Kim and Kylie still do things that are just super off-brand. Kendall's the only one that doesn't. Yeah, she is, I think. Uh, honestly, Courtney. Yeah, but it's different. It's but different. Yeah, because, but Courtney also doesn't care in that regard. Right, right. And she never has. No, I know. You've, but you're, don't you don't you agree with me, though, that like we all kind of can't really explain why, but we just like either vibe or don't vibe with it? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. Anyway, the one other thing that I wanted to mention that has nothing to do with Kardashians, and I don't even know if you follow, do you follow Michaela, the makeup artist on TikTok by any chance? Yeah, of course. I am like, I, I can't even explain to you how much I follow her in terms of like just being so happy. She was in LA this last week and she went to like the NARS event, whatever. And she met Selena Gomez and she did like this whole thing with her and her TikTok where Selena just like casually comes in. When I tell you I screamed, the way that you can experience this vicarious excitement for TikTokers, I do believe is different than any other platform. And in case anybody else saw that and had that same reaction, I just want to tell you I'm on your page and like just so goddamn happy for this woman. That is so adorable, really. Like look at what she look at what she's made her life in the last year, Julie. No, I know it's it's incredible. And I know that you specifically have been watching that very closely and you're a hundred percent right. There's just something about these TikTokers getting to do certain things that you're just like, oh my God, I'm so happy for them. So I so understand. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for understanding my, my understanding. Obviously. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's it. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. We'll see you later this week for Kardashians. Bravo. Oh, I should mention, it's actually a good time to say in general. So next week, we have off on that Monday. We'll be back for the other two episodes. We're off on that Monday. And then the two other times that we're off the rest of this year are the week of Thanksgiving and then obviously the week between Christmas and New Year's, which I guess is a given, but we didn't take it off, I guess, two years ago. We did last year. So just wanted to give you guys that heads up. So there's no episode on Monday, this coming Monday, and then the week of Thanksgiving in that week. And, Do you want to uh, tell people what Monday is? <laughs> It's my birthday. <laughs> We're going to be traveling. That's why. So we won't be here. But um, yeah, I'm so excited. It's literally going to be like Julie, Isabel, a few of my friends and my dad. <laughs> it's going to be the best. I'm so excited. And my aunt. That's like my happiest place. That's like <laughs> our best friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We love you guys so much. And we'll see you later this week.